On today's Locked on Jays, we're going to be going over the lack of transfer portal additions for KU basketball so far. Is there any reason to be concerned? We'll discuss on today's show. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. of Locked on Jayhawks. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence. Nick Schwartz joins us on today's show. You can find him on 610 in Kansas City with the afternoon show from 10 to 2, as well as the Waving the, Waving the Wheat podcast. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be discussing KU doesn't have any commits yet in the transfer portal. Is there any cause for concern through this point in the offseason for KU. But first, this episode of the show is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash college60. That's college60 for 60% off plus free shipping. So Nick joins us on today's show. Uh, I, I know there are some fans worrying out there about the lack of commitments so far for KU basketball that they do have all these holes to fill and that you know not necessarily expecting all of them to be filled yet but maybe you would have thought that that one guy would have committed maybe two guys would have committed and that it's not just that but also maybe some other targets we talked about Khalif Battle a couple of weeks ago uh they they had the the talk with the Temple kid uh the the Caden Shedrick kid from Virginia has a finalist list without Kansas there have been a lot of targets or maybe backup options or high-level guys that you thought could have fit for KU that have committed elsewhere or have eliminated KU from their list. So um, I'm not overly concerned because Spring Bill Self is an amazing recruiter and seems to close and deliver each and every year when we seem to get to this conversation each and every year. But is there any concern, any worry on your end of things? No, because we've been through this before. I mean, you just go back to last season. Kevin McCuller was one of the later guys uh, depending on where you looked, he was ranked as the number one or the number two transfer option in the country. The year before, it was Remy Martin, who they got at the 11th hour, and he was universally thought of as being the number one transfer target in the country. So you're talking about back-to-back years where you have gotten either the best or the second best transfer available to you. And you have to think about the conversations that these players are having with Bill Self, the conversations that Bill Self and this coaching staff are having with them. Think about it. If you're the 25th best transfer in the country, where you could go to certain high-level programs, you could go to some Power 5 programs and be the guy. They're going to craft an offense around you. You're going to get 30-plus minutes a game. You're going to be able to take 12 to 15 shots a game. It'll be your show, or depending on what type of player you are, you're going to be guaranteed certain things. If you're having those, if you're the exact same player and you're having conversations with Kansas right now, they're giving you nothing. They're giving you absolutely nothing. And I'm sure they're brutally honest with them. Khalif Battle is a perfect example. I'm sure Kansas would tell him, hey, we want you. We think you would fit in nicely here. We think you would have a role here. But we're not promising you that you're going to start. We're not going to promise you that you're going to get 20 to 25 minutes a game. We're not promising you that we're not going to continue in this same cycle to go and recruit over you. 
I'm not even going to promise you that I'm not going to go out there and get another player at your position next week. And so when you have those, because that's the luxury you have of being at Kansas is knowing that we can hold out for the best because the best want to come here and we can get the best. And if you're going to do that, you're never going to sacrifice the ability to get the best possible players you can by bringing in somebody earlier that might not be as good as them. So I think that's sort of the reality of where Kansas is at, which is we have our eyes set on the best players we can possibly get. So if we have to lose out on a tier two, a tier three player now, that's okay because I know by the end of it, we're going to end up with two or three of the best transfers on the market. If you had to rank these four things about why Kansas does not have a commit yet, um, which one would be at the top of the list in terms of most logical reason? So we have the NCAA IARP case. It's still hanging out there. I'd imagine, you know, for some players, maybe they are waiting to see what what, what comes out, or, or maybe that is being used in negative recruiting to be like, well, you don't know for sure if, you know, there's going to be a suspension to Bill Self or if there's going to be a postseason ban. So that's number one, the NCAA IARP case. Uh, number two is Bill Self's health. You know, we saw him at the presser. He looked good, sounded good, all that sort of stuff. But I'm sure it's still being used in negative recruiting from other schools. Um, number three is that they're just working in the shadows. And maybe we haven't heard a lot of stuff from them, but that, you know, they, they are doing a lot of work and maybe they are closer to getting somebody committed than we might think. And number four is just that maybe the player, maybe the target or, or a couple of them that is most likely to end up at KU has not even emerged in the portal yet, whether that means they've been talking through back channels or that means it's going to be a situation like, and I guess that kind of goes in line a little bit with number three, but somebody who maybe enters the draft process and last minute pulls out and transfers away, somebody who may not enter till later. How would you rank those four? I think I would actually rank them in reverse order of the way you listed them. I think the last one you mentioned is probably most likely. I think the IARP NCAA stuff is least likely. I'll start right there. Man, we've heard that for so many years. Year after year, we hear about how that FBI case is looming and it's hurting Kansas on the recruiting trail. And I think there was a point in time where there was truth to it. If you go back to maybe like around the 2019, 2020 recruiting cycles, where Kansas wasn't pulling in, you know, a lot of blue chip guys. But remember, those were still like 2020 is one of the best seasons that Bill Self's ever had at Kansas. Now he was doing it with players that he'd already gotten, you know, guys like Doak and Devon Dotson and Marcus Garrett. But I don't think that's there anymore. If if that six years down the line is finally like the chickens are coming home to roost, is that how the saying goes? If that's finally What's happening right now, I would be shocked that there are guys who are holding out because they don't think that's going to happen. I, I think these players are well aware. I think Bill Self is probably being honest with them. Um, I'm just not buying. I've heard it too many times to buy into it now. I've just kind of gotten to the point with, with recruiting that there's either one of two things going on. It's either A, they're doing more than we realize, kind of like the, the idea that they're operating in the shadows. They're doing more than we realize, or Things just always seem to work out because it's Kansas and their plan B is better than your plan A or their plan C is better than your plan B. I'm just, I'm not 
really I'm not really even willing to like inch towards the panic button at this point because I have no reason to believe that the two or three guys that they're dead set on getting aren't still very much in play and that they're not and feeling like they have a good shot of landing. Yeah, there's probably a reason why some of these backup uh, options, so to speak, have committed elsewhere and narrowed KU off the list or something. And I guess beyond that, uh, speaking to the last two that I made you rank, like, I, I don't know about you. I, I don't know. Maybe I was not in the proper circles here, but the Kevin McCuller one from last year, like that came out of left field. It was all of a sudden just one day he posted on social media in like May or something. Hey, I'm going through the NBA draft process, Texas Tech fans. But if I do decide to come back, I'm transferring and I'm either picking Gonzaga or Kansas. So it was like the the truncated, I'm going pro, I'm testing the process, I'm transferring. And I already have it listed down to like two finalists all in one thing. And, and I think that was both a indication of the KU work in the shadows and also somebody who hadn't emerged yet in the transfer portal, which just tells me that, yeah, just be patient. Well, that's exactly what happened with Remy Martin as well. I'm sure these guys, there are guys out there that are so laser focused on going to the draft. And, you know, these guys operate with a level of confidence that doesn't seem rational to people like you and I, where they're saying, no, I'm not even considering transferring. I'm not even considering coming back because I'm that focused on making my NBA dreams a reality. Well, then you go work out for some teams, you get some feedback, and they all say, not happening. No, I don't know what you were thinking, but you shouldn't go pro because we're not going to draft you. So uh, go back to college, please, for the love of God, don't ruin your basketball career. So then they all of a sudden they come back and they say, well, I ain't going back there for whatever reason, right? For Remy Martin, I think it was, I played at Arizona State. I played on four lousy teams. It sucked. My only chance of improving my draft stock is going to Kansas or going to a place where I can get more exposure. For Kevin McCuller, it was, well, I don't know exactly what his reasoning was, but Again, exposure, that's the trump card that Kansas is always going to have, even if the NCAA tournament appeal isn't there, which is a big deal to, I think, most players. But even if not, hey, you're going to play on national television more than you will anywhere. Like, you'll play on national television as much as you will at Duke, as much as you will at Kentucky, and certainly more than wherever you were playing last year, whether it be Arizona State or Texas Tech. So I think there is always that draw. And with if you're a good enough player, like both of those guys were, it doesn't really matter what you have in tow. Like Kansas already had a point guard when they got Remy Martin. Kansas already had two wings that they knew were going to play big roles when they got Kevin McCuller. If you're good enough, you'll find a role, which is not the luxury that a lot of the players currently in the portal get to operate under. Like if you're from Temple, I don't care how many points per game you scored last year. If you're from Wyoming and you averaged a double-double, congratulations. Bill Self is not going to bend over backward and promise you the world just because you're interested in playing for Kansas next year. Uh, we're going to get on to some uh, spring bill conversation, and then we'll finish up with whose stat line is it anyway. First, though, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays. They're still back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB Act than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up late with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to fanduel.com, locked on to sign up, place your first bet, get up to $1,000 back in your bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, you can build a same game parlay. You can put together 
different home run parlays, strikeout parlays. You can pick different teams to win on a given day. You can bet on some futures. You think the Royals are, I don't know, going to win the division? Get crazy with it. Check it all out at FanDuel. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, so uh, spring bill is is obviously another reason, I think, not to really be worried with stuff that's happened here. How many times have we gone into the spring? And I, I think in the past, you know, when the transfer portal wasn't as prevalent, it was usually like a McDonald's All-American. It was some five-star recruit that hadn't committed yet, and it was like, man, Kansas really needs that one extra piece. And he nailed it. He knocked it out of the ballpark so many times. Um, I, I think it's funny because we just lose sight of that so easily once you get into the year in, year out. But do you have a a favorite um, or maybe one that just comes to mind most when you think of spring bill self and, and landing a commitment? I'll, I'll tell you the one that comes to mind for me. There are actually three that come to mind for me. And I only I'm lumping them together because they were all around the same time. Well, if you want to just go to the same recruit, they got Devante and Svee late late in the game like all of a sudden there was this there was this idea that there was a 16 year old kid from the ukraine that was going to play college ball and he was between like virginia and kansas and i start hearing rumors that like there was this kid like the coaching staff took this kid to jefferson's and lawrence and i'm like 16 like when can he play in three years like what are they going to do? Enroll him in high school? They're like, no, he's going to play right now. And I remember somebody told me, I don't even remember who told me this, that, that, that Larry Brown had scouted him. And Larry Brown was overseas coaching in Italy or something. Who knows? That Larry Brown had scouted him and he had came back and he had told Bill Self, this guy is a top 10 shooter in the world right now. Now, I'm not sure Svee is a top 10 shooter or ever has been a top 10 shooter, but I think you could understand why somebody would make the leap. Like you watch the guy shoot jumpers and you say, okay, that looks pretty freaking good. And obviously he went on to have a, a great career, a four-year career that resulted in a final four. The same thing happened with Devontae Graham when he got out of his letter, uh, or out of his commitment from Appalachian State, Right. It's not the McDonald's All-Americans that always like stick with you because there are plenty of those as well. Frank, like Frank's the same way. They got Frank late. It's the guys where you get them late and you hear they got out of a commitment and then you start to wonder, why did they want why – did, why did the staff want these dudes so bad, these dudes who you'd never heard of? And then they, those are the ones who go up – you know, go on to have the most memorable careers. And like in the case of Devontae – a lot a lot of players with higher recruiting rankings that came through, they're not going to have their names in the Raptors. He will. Uh, so those two guys are the ones that really stick out to me. Who were you thinking? For me, it was Josh Jackson. Um, and I, honestly, Sheck Diallo would probably go up there. I remember at the time, it was a very, very big deal when they got Sheck Diallo. And that was coming into the, the what, the 2015-16 uh, team that, Ended up being really good. I think they got the uh, number one overall seed in the tournament, made the Elite Eight, lost a close game to Villanova. Um, really good metrically, like when you look at Ken Palm and everything. But that team going into the year, it was like, who's going to be the center? 
uh, because at that point in time, Landon Lucas hadn't like broken out to be the guy yet. I think Hunter Mickelson in like the World University Games that summer, I think there was that summer, uh, was like the main starting center. And it was like, who's going to be the guy? And it was like, man, if this team just gets a center, you got year three of Frank Mason, you got year two of Devontae Graham, year three of Wayne Selden. Like there's there's a lot in the backcourt, just get that center. And that was such a big deal for them to land him. Now that obviously didn't really have an impact on that season. But the Josh Jackson one sticks out because of both how big it was at the time you didn't really know you were going to get him, which I think that adds to the intrigue here, too. Like, same thing what you were talking about with guys that maybe just came out of the blue or were committed somewhere else. It It's almost more of an allure when it's guys you're not expecting to get. And I don't know about you, but I I, I thought I remembered, like, Arizona or Michigan State or somebody. Like, th- there was rumors about everybody being able to get him, but that, you know, he was going to stay back home. I think he was originally from, like, Detroit or something, Michigan State. Yeah, that- no, it was Michigan State, yeah. <laughs> and then he was big- going to they had a big recruiting class that year. That's right. Like Miles Bridges, maybe Jaron Jackson or something. I don't know. Somebody. It was obviously, yeah, like you said, very big recruiting class. Cassius Winston. And uh, it, it was not quite like a, uh, they have no chance at him, but it kind of felt like one of those real surprises where that on top of the fact that this was a, you know, top five, top three, I think some sites had him number one in the country at that point in time. And then he came in and delivered and was, I mean, it, for my money, the best one and done freshman of the Bill Self era. I, I don't know. Maybe you'll get some pushback with that with like Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid, but he had the injury. So I don't know. Um, but that to me is the one that comes to mind. But yeah, there's so many stories. It's, but yeah, but What's different about those guys is, you know, the reason why I was surprised with Josh Jackson, because he was an Under Armour kid, I believe, in high school. And his mom had, you know, was running the show. And I think they she had helped, like, broker a deal with his, with his, with his, you know, AAU team and Under Armour and stuff. And honestly, I, I hope we can be transparent in this, on this show. But, like, I would assume at some point for a lot of those guys late in the game, KU's holding out. KU's a big name. They're the biggest Adidas school. And then they convince Adidas or whoever, however the inner workings of that works, like, go, this guy needs a bag. Like, right? He's He's got three Nike schools and us. So we need, you guys need uh, us to have good players, right? Because we're your biggest product. So uh, Sheck needs a bag. Cliff needs a bag. Josh needs a bag. And I would assume... Adidas was like, okay, yeah, we can't let the top 20 players in the country all go to Nike and Under Armour schools. So, like, part of that is the deal as well, which I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you disagree, I don't think that plays as big of a factor in the transfer portal because these guys aren't blue-chip recruits for the most part. Like, most of these dudes in the portal are not guys who are going to be lottery picks next year, and they're not guys Mm -hmm. that – apparel companies care as much about i don't know maybe like like the hunter dickinson's of the world probably are a little bit different like he's probably the biggest name to ever enter the portal so maybe that changes things but i i am curious how like the the apparel companies factor into the transfer portal because we know there's such a massive factor in high school recruiting that's a good question it seems more like the the money that's being tossed around in the transfer portal is nil related and like yeah. you said, with high school, maybe it is more like shoe related. Well, and- in general, like Grady Dick signed an actual deal with Adidas this year, right? He did that photo shoot 
at the beginning of the year with the two kids from Nebraska and the dude with one arm from Northwestern State. But like he now shoe companies are doing they're just instead of giving you a duffel bag full of cash, they're like, here's a check that we're gonna and uh, here's a photo shoot. So I don't know. It's 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 different, but it's also kind of the same. It's just yeah. it's just the it's way they package it. Really. Right. Mm-hmm. It's uh Christmas present wrapping versus birthday present wrapping, you know. It, it looks <laughs> yeah. it's a gift. Yeah. Right. All right, let's uh, finish up with whose stat line is it anyway. We have a transfer edition once again on the show with Locked on Jayhawks. Finishing things up, whose stat line is it anyway? These were this player's stats last season. 18 and a half points per game. These are transfer targets for KU for what it's worth. Uh, 18 and a half points per game. Shot 42% from three. That's it. That's all you're giving me. If you request one more hint, I will give you one more hint. And you just want to know whether I would be interested in them. Yes. It feels like a setup for a bad player because those two numbers are impressive. So, of course, based off the two stats you're willing to give me, I am impressed. Now hit me with the kicker. Who is this? How bad are they? This is actually a very good player. I just wanted to confuse you with the 42% from three. This is Hunter Dickinson. I was about to say I know he's I know he can shoot it. I didn't know he was forty two percent though. I mean it's one point seven attempts per game. So, but that's that's around what Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris territory where they were getting a couple up a game, shooting 40 percent. Yeah, the difference is he's seven two and gets like a block and a half too. He's pretty. I good. mean, this would be if you even if you even if you packaged one and going back to that. If you just told me, like, you're looking at Hunter Dickinson as a one-and-done prospect, a high school prospect, which is how we look at – it's how we looked at Grady Dick. It's how we looked at um, Josh Jackson, Andrew Wiggins, all the best recruits, the biggest recruits that Bill Self's got, Cliff Alexander, Sheck Diallo, even though they didn't pan out. Like, that's how we viewed them. Hunter Dickinson, make no mistake about it, would be as big as anyone not named Andrew Wiggins. Now he's better than all of them. We know that. Like as a as a college player, he's better than all of them. It would be the biggest recruit Bill Self's landed, other than Andrew Wiggins. Would you agree with that? Just from college production, he'd probably be number one. Yeah. Well, yeah, from production, but I just mean in terms of Andrew Wiggins was bigger than basketball because of the hype, the Sports Illustrated, like the thought he was of him being the next coming. Like that was the biggest singular commitment and signing that Bill Self's got, I think this would be number two, just because there's less unknown. It's less about like, oh, they people think he could be really good. It's like, no, we know he's really freaking good. We've seen three years of it. Yeah, I think it's a good point. All right, uh, this is last two seasons, collective data, against Ken Palm top 100 teams. This guard is shooting 46% from three. He is also in the 94th percentile in spot-up shooting. Out of comparison, Grady Dick was 74th percentile. How many games versus top 100 teams did he play? Mm, not too many. If it's, if it's one, I'm going to be upset with you. It is It is more than that. I'll get you the okay. actual number. Uh, no, that's fine. You don't need to give me the actual number. You've done enough work. Uh, I'll say yes. I mean, this team needs shooting, man. So who am I to turn a uh, capable shooter down? So this is uh, Nicholas Timberlake from Towson. He okay. against Ken Palm top uh, 100 competition. He played in eight games this past season, six games the year before. So 14 total. 
He's a, he's a name that keeps popping up, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Would you put him at the top of your list of guys you're most certain KU is going to get? No, I don't think so. I, I guess he's visiting UConn this week, and that is close to where he's from home. They just won the title. They have the momentum. I mean, they just showed the blueprint that they'd probably use him in, right? That Joey Calcaterra kid coming off the bench for them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I think UNC was being rumored for a while, too. It wouldn't surprise me one way or another, but I think he is automatically someone who comes in and you're like, Hey, you need shooting. That's what this guy does. So he's, he's looking at Kansas and then some, a few smaller second rate programs. <laughs> yeah. Some would say, some would say, I, right, uh, this last one, uh, this past season, 16 points per game, 5.3 assists per game. He was at a high major school. I believe it was the Ken Palm number two or number three conference this past year. Uh, 41% from the field, though, just 30% from three. Uh, is this Caleb Love? No, Caleb Love is uh, committed to... I know, Mich- Michigan. I know, but that's just kind of... I was He was checking all the boxes for me. Scored a lot, high major player, terrible efficiency. Okay, no, but the five assists. Okay, so that would be the one that would... Oh man, I'm trying to actually like figure out who this is. I know that's not the point of the game. So, uh, I will say, say yes. I mean, he sounds like a combo guard, so maybe he could play next to Dewan Harris instead of being, you know, a Joe Yesifu type. That's here's the thing. I I know you're about to tell me who it is, but this is the thing you have to like. You have to decide if you're coaching staff. You just had Bobby Pettiford and Joe Pet- yeah, Yesifu, and they're both gone. And there were different players, but neither one of them worked. So was there anything there where you say, okay, there's something to learn here. Maybe we stay p- away from this type of player or that type of player. Or do you just say, hey, you win some and you lose some, and we happen to lose two at once. Like, let's go. At- let's keep going after. Because, like, that's what I hear. I hear Joe Yesifu. I'm like, oh. You're a combo guard who just wants to shoot, but like your efficiency is terrible. So you don't really have a role on this team because you're not that good. I don't know. But yes, I'll, I'll still say yes, because there's like four players on the roster. So I'm saying yes to everything right now. This is uh, Primo Spears. He is the guard okay. transferring in from Georgetown. It was horrible. He's not- you think he's horrible? No, no. Georgetown was horrible. Oh, okay. I thought you were like, he's horrible. I'm like, okay, well, then I guess I don't want him. Make I'm, I feel like an idiot for saying yes. Well, okay, so here's the thing. To your point on Joe Yasufu, Joe Yasufu shot 37% from the field, 28.5% from three. All right, we, we cleared the bar. We cleared the bar. It is better efficiency than that. But you're right, he's a 6'3 combo guard. I don't know. The, the one question here, he had already transferred once. And he's not going to be a graduate. So will the NCAA give out the waiver or not? They said they're going to crack down. We've seen them say that before, and they haven't. If if that impacts things, then I think he's not a take. But, I mean, if he's somebody comfortable coming off the bench, I was looking at some of the synergy numbers. He actually has really good, like, isolation numbers, which tells me he's someone who can score on his own accord, like he's above average at it, which is more than KU had from a lot of different players last year. Um, yeah, so I don't, but it, but how many ISO opportunities is he going to get at Kansas? You know how you know how rarely this coaching staff lets guys go ISO, and who you have to. No, I'm, I, I'm more so viewing that from a tool of 
can you create a shot for yourself? Because we know KU didn't have enough of that last year. But that's the problem that I think Bill Self's run into in the past is that like in the case of Remy Martin, it's like, okay, yeah, you want shot creators. That sounds great. It sounds great to have a, to have a supermodel girlfriend, right? Think about how, how awesome that would be. But then you got to deal with all the stuff that comes with it. All the guys who want to hit on her. She's maybe a little bit more flirty than you would like for your girlfriend. And now you're starting to run into some issues. You knew what you were signing up with. You can't want playmaking and shot creating and guys who are dynamic with, with the basketball and then say, but yeah, also only do it when it's absolutely required of you. The other 90%, you need to exist within the confines of the offense and exist within the structure of the offense. And you need to de defer to some of the other players. And we don't need you being a hero. These guys have been playing basketball for 20 years. And in a span of two months, you're basically trying to reteach them to play basketball your way, which is really, really difficult. I'm only saying that to say, forewarning, when you go out and get these guys, because that's what we all are attracted to, the shot creators, right? We want these dudes who are like, hey, you may need some athletes. They need some guys who can get a bucket. Okay, Remy Martin could get buckets, but it took him about three months. And of course, we wouldn't trade it for the world, right? But there are also a million guys like that who you bring in and it doesn't ever click. And then you've just got a dude who you gave a scholarship to who just does not fit with your culture and your system. So I'm not saying that's primo spears. I'm just saying, don't be shocked if that continues to happen in this age of the transfer portal. Yeah. I, I don't think he's like a tier one take, but I, I don't know if you end up with him. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world either. He's mm -hmm. Nick Schwert. Anything you want to plug upcoming? No, man, I'm just uh, I'm so excited to be given the opportunity to come on here and espouse a uh, transfer portal talk with you. All right, he's Nick Schwert. I'm Derek Johnson. That'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. Catch us wherever you get a podcast or on YouTube. Have a good rest of your day. You can catch me on Rock Truck Stock later.